the opinion line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. You know, I know we're metric and I know we're modern and I know we have left things like feet and inches behind us long ago, but sometimes, you know, you get it in plain English, it's a bit better. 50 millimeters of rain is as near as damn it to two inches, right? So if you know what two inches looks like, right? That's as near as damn it to 50 millimeters. That's a lot of rain. That is a lot of rain. And given that we've had a lot of rain on several nights running now, down in West Cork in particular, it is no wonder that they're in serious trouble there at this stage. Good morning. 1850-715-996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email opinion at 96fm.ie. I'll go through the list again that the newsroom gave you in a wee while. But if there's anything that you think we haven't mentioned that you think we should know about or listeners should know about or drivers and motorists should know about in your area, then do let us know through the usual channels, as they say. Let me go to to Bantry, um, where it's been a very bad night for Terence Gibbs. Terence, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Good. Now, apart from having a bar that, that you can't open, <laughs> you now don't even have a bar. What happened to the cosy cabin? Uh, we got a, bit, we got a small bit of rain last night down our way. It kind of... Uh, Came in the front door, met it in the back bar, and then just sort of flooded all the way through without. Oh, good lord! So we, what's we got damaged? Up to sort of fifteen to sixteen inches of water inside the bar. That's knee deep, so, like yeah, yeah, knee deep, yeah, basically. Um, everything sort of destroyed. We had the bar ready to go for opening on the tenth of August, so all the stock, absolutely everything, is is gone, gone. <laughs> And there's no hope of trying to sell it now because it came up through the toilets now and everything and the toilets flooded and all the floor, all the um, behind the bar, the shelving is all destroyed. Absolutely everything is, is, is do you know what, it's gutted, like it's heartbreaking. God help you. And you haven't even been able to open? No, we haven't been open now since the uh, 15th of March. We closed, we closed on the Sunday. Well, I think it was the 14th we actually closed. We closed on the Sunday before the lockdown. The lockdown came on the Monday. And we've been trying to open, what, three, four times now at this stage. And we had all the stock ready to go for the 10th of August. And then, of course, the government delayed because, what, some listeners don't know, you don't get deliveries every week or every day sometimes, especially down in, in rural areas, you might only get a delivery every two weeks. Yeah. So you have to order in two weeks before that um, to get your stock in. So, of course, we had all the stock and everything in, in the bar, and it's all destroyed now. Please tell me that you have a good, solid insurance policy. Oh, there'll be someone getting a phone call after this now very, very quickly. <laughs> All right, I'm hoping I do. <laughs> but uh, God knows, you know, insurance companies, they don't want to pay out. They'll find some reason now or they'll say it's an act of God or something like that. That'll, that'll uh, not pay out. But um, look, we're hoping. We're hoping. That's all we can do now is be hopeful of this. There's a laugh in your voice, but I suggest tears aren't far away. Uh, you know... It, Life is tough, you know, especially when you're down. It finds another way of, of keeping you down and just keeps kicking you along. But look, all my family is healthy. I'm healthy and everyone who I care about is healthy and strong. So look, it's only water. We can we can find a way through it and hopefully we can get some help somewhere along the line, insurance companies and the government might make us open a little bit earlier now, hopefully. You never know. <laughs> I, I know Mantry reasonably well. Um, mm-hmm. it, it can flood from time to time, is putting it mildly. But that particular part of town where you are, not uh-huh. so much. No, not so much at all, yeah. Um, it, it, look, it, it, it was just a freak of nature that happened, I think. I'm not 100% sure. 
um, because like even the tide wasn't necessarily that high. So it should have just washed out, you know what I mean? We're, we're a coastal town. It should have just washed clean out through the drains and stuff like that. But um, yeah, like we're one of 15, 20 shops that are flooded this morning. Uh, won't be able to open. Um, like there's pubs along the way. There's clothes shops that are completely washed out. There's been grocery shops completely washed out. Chemists completely washed out. Um, yeah, Bantry is, is, is on a clean up duty this morning. God, it sounds terrible. And, and in a rough year for business, been rough enough for business as it is this year. I mean, Bantry, mm. even your tourist numbers, you're struggling oh, sure. down there. We, we, we won't get any season now. Like I, I said jokingly at the start of this year that, look, hopefully we'll be pouring points by Christmas week. But I'd say now with flooding and, and damage in the wall, like we have soakage in our walls up to 17, 18 inches. Like, so especially with, toilets and, and, and waste like that, like them walls are going to have to be taken down and replastered and fixed and painted and and stuff like that Like so I would be very surprised if we're open by the end of this year at all like, you know, um, like we only had, what, the last two or three weeks really of August for a town that 80% of his business comes from tourism um, it, it's, very, it's very hard, very, very hard, like and everybody is feeling it down here yeah, and the, the the weather has been brutal, and then yeah. this on top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, you know, look, it's it just life finds a way of keeping you down, <laughs> and it just it just wants to kick you down all the time. But um, yeah, look, it was it, it sort of flooded from what people are gathering. It kind of came over. We have a, a library. You'll probably see it there. It's been there a while. Um, but it has a, a wind, uh, not a windmill, but it's got a water wheel on it. Yeah, I know. And it kind of just flooded over that wall. Um, like roads were busted up with brand new roads fitted in town they're all busted up footpaths are all falling apart brand new footpaths were put in all gone now as well Every everything is just it's crumbling it's like an earthquake happened through the centre of town so this really, really wasn't just floodwaters that rose up this was a surge this was an absolute surge yeah this was like like spitting the red tide as the man says like you know what I mean this just came from nowhere like um, there had to have been some something that has gone wrong or something that was blocked or, you know, it literally just came from nowhere because we weren't flooded and within a half an hour we were flooded. Yeah. And there was no way you could keep the water out. Like, and it was I mean? fast was, flowing. It didn't just rise. It just came oh, yeah. surging through. Yeah, yeah. This, this was sort of river speed, like, you know, gushing is the easiest way of describing it. And, like, there was no stopping it. Like, you could have had 100 men with brushes and barriers and stuff like that trying to keep the water out but you, you couldn't you couldn't keep it out like has it receded now yeah yeah the water is down now but sure we're only getting an idea of what the damage was now in fairness i will i will say one thing they, the council workers and the firemen were out and they did trojan work pumping out shops um to be honest we would have been in an awful way if we didn't have them them, them boys well deserved uh, their appreciation in this town anyway they did a fantastic job all the lads on call last night and the council workers all came out um, help people brush out their shops and pump out their shops and it was great seeing the community spirit was uh, massive because everybody helped everybody if you know what I mean they were all like look what can we do what can we do and people who didn't even have businesses affected were around trying to help out people that did have businesses affected which was, it's great to see in the town you know yeah no, no flooding I, I just there's two things I think that most people dread in their premises for obviously different reasons one is fire and the mm. other is a flood mm. Yeah, yeah, like you, you, flood damage can last for 10 years. 
you yeah. might never get the smell of a flood out of a place. You know, sometimes it depends on who you ask. If your place is burnt to the ground, I'm sure they'll say they'd rather a flood. And if someone is flooded, they'd rather say they'd have a fire. But um, either way, it's it's not a, it's not a good outcome to be facing on a on a Wednesday morning at quarter past nine. It's 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 no fun to be honest. And, and Terence, are you in business a, a long time in that part of town? Or uh, I'll be there. Uh, well, we actually celebrated our sixth year. Uh, closed, which was not really a fantastic way of celebrating your sixth year in business, but uh, we were six years there in July. Uh, July 16th or July 15th, right. I think, is the time we moved in, but we were actually closed for our sixth year yeah. anniversary, so... Yeah, you know, the, the pub trade is hard enough, never mind this coming down on top of you, you know. It's it's, uh, it's, it's getting harder and harder, and you know what? Um, I could be saying other things that I don't really want to be saying right now, but um, we, we Say, need help listen, Hey, listen, I'm not stopping you. <laughs> We need we need help in this trade, and uh, no one seems to want to back us. Like that's the problem, you know. Um, you can see just even just the wet pubs alone how much unemployment it brings to this country, and uh, we're getting no help. We're being left out. We really are. We're just being. We're like we're like the old people in the Icelandic, where they just let them out on this iceberg to die. And uh, the sad thing is, we bring a lot. We bring a lot to the community. There's a lot of elderly people that just come down, and it's their center of their center of. Um, of their area, you know, they, they it's meet, their they It's their social life. It's, it's completely, completely. You know, like I have a couple of lads that come in here and they, they only drink a bottle of water and they'd be into me every single night and they'd just be having the chat, like, you know. Um, like, God knows I don't make a, a, a money off them, but, like, Jesus, we still provide a service, like, yeah. you know, like, we, I haven't seen some fellas in, in six months, like, and yeah. these would be elderly fellas. Now I keep in touch with them on the phone to make sure they're all right and stuff like that, but... um yeah, they have nowhere to go. I have nowhere to go. <laughs> it's, Listen, it, it, it's hard, like you know. Well, and it's and it's been made harder by the events of last night. Turns all I can do, yeah. and it, it's look, it's it's easy for me to say this, but all I can do is wish you well. I know we appreciate it. I appreciate it, and thanks for reaching out. And um, yeah, like I said, a big thank you to the to the council workers and the firemen last night because um, we'd still be underwater if it wasn't for them fellas tonight. So they they get a well deserved sleep in this morning. I hope. Hopefully. Um, because they did fantastic, absolute Trojan work they did in fairness to them. All right, listen, Terence, go and look after everything there and hope the insurance company are, are, are good with you. That's Terence Gibbs from the Cozy Cabin in Bantry. A horrible night they've had, and they're not the only ones. Dermot Murphy is the chairman of the Bantry Business Association, also has a restaurant called the, the Fish Kitchen. Now, your own place isn't badly affected, Dermot, but uh, a lot of shops and pubs and premises, like Terence was saying, really badly damaged last night. Yeah, um, a lot of water fell last night. A lot of I'm, I'm, my, the only good thing about having enough stairs premise is that this doesn't affect me. But downstairs in the fish shop now, and uh, most of New Street on one side was very badly flooded. And um, I, I don't think um, I mean the council have done a fantastic job um, since last night. But I don't think anybody could have stopped what came down the hill into Bantry last night. It was fairly. I don't know how you describe it, really. It was, it was shocking, really, you know. Terence was saying it came like a surge. It wasn't the water just rose. It it just came. It kind of, it, yeah, it's almost like a surge. I got a phone call from uh, uh, Jesse Hager. He's there up in Mace. And um, he kind of said, Murph, we're in trouble here. There's, there's water on New Street and Main Street. It's, it's just like a river. And I came in. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I drive a Jeep. And I came around the top of the square. And I was like going, I don't know if I get through this. So, I mean, it was, it was that deep. Um, all down the south side of the square was quite badly done as well. Get shot. JJ Crowley's bar. So I mean, uh, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, look, we've we've been pushing hard to get our culverts done and get the, that cleared out on New Street, which is a huge part of the problem because there's a lot of under under road rivers in the town. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, look, the proof is there now. This has to be sorted out because um, business is up to town there now. Like they're just ripping out carpets and ripping out floors and stuff like shoe that. Shoe shops damaged, clothes shops, shop, barbershop. Yeah, shoe shop, barbershop, oh my God. I was there last night and I couldn't get through to the guy with his couches are floating around inside there. By the time he got down, and like as Terence just said there, look, everybody mucked in last night. We're here till about half four or five. Um, just getting water out of the buildings really to limit damage, dam- or damage limitation really more than anything. But the it's like the, the water was coming into the back of buildings because the drains had been blocked up that far, just pouring out the doors at one point in some premises, you know. I can't. Um, in, the, in the mid eighties, I remember right one stage before they did they did, did repair work to some of the the, the drains and stuff like that to um, help with the, the drainage, but. Um, there was water up as far as up as far as John Hurley's there in Vickery's, and they got they got quite badly flooded as well. And yeah. I could be naming him. Yeah, but this <laughs> is not bit. something you expect either in August. Well, no, like absolutely not. Um, but you know, we kind of we were keeping an eye on it yesterday, and I got a phone call to say, "Should we put out a warning?" Because it was an orange warning, but it wasn't as extreme as the as a few days previous. And we said, "Look, people are aware of it." We rang the council, and they kind of said, "Look, it, you know, p- people are aware of it, and we were happy enough that." It wasn't going to be anywhere near as bad, and I got a phone call at midnight last night. I couldn't believe what I came in to see in town. To be honest, which it was unreal. And it's—I mean, look, the council on the street here today are doing a fantastic job. But the council overall need to take a serious look at the, the drainage and bantry and get the culvert sorted out, which is not the main problem. I think last night would have been could have been an issue anyway. But all these things add up, you know. They do. They do. Yeah. Well. Our thoughts are with everybody affected by it uh, this morning, Dermot. Thank you very much for taking our call. That's Dermot Murphy. He's the chairman of the Bantry Business Association. They've had a very, very bad night down in beautiful Bantry. Now, Bandon had millions of euro spent by the OPW on a flood relief scheme. So you would have said, right, Bandon will be grand. Bandon's not grand. We'll go there next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Selfservicelaundry.ie Cork's 96FM is now streaming even more music choice. More music choice. Check out the Hit Mix Online for fresh new music. Keep on dancing like you ain't got a choice. And stream the all-new Fit Mix for your workout. <laughs> Listen on your phone and smart speaker. Turn up the volume. Or go, go, go to 96fm.ie. This is Court's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Court's 96fm. I have a memory, a very clear memory of walking down through Bandon years ago, not too many years ago, and places were after being submerged in three and four foot of water. And then they spent millions on an OPW-backed programme uh, of flood defences for the town. And you'd have thought, well, that's it now. Bandon will be fine. Hilary O'Farrell is chair of their business association down there. Now, your own newsagent's shop, Hilary, isn't affected, but it's been a bad night down there. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, thank you for having me on the show. Delighted. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a very worrying night again. You know, I suppose we've had an awful lot of investment. We've had a lot of upheaval over the last few years. And you would think that we'd be safe, but... Uh, 
this morning now coming along and seeing all the sandbags and you know two two shops were flooded one of the the pubs down on Brady's Lane I know the weather is exceptional at the moment and the amount of rain falling is just backing up the drains and I think that's probably the main thing that's that's gone wrong um but we, we've a lot of questions to ask and we've a lot of you know answers to find this morning and you know people aren't happy because the OPW were supposed to take care of all of that, including the backup in the drains, which has been a long-standing problem in Bandon. Yeah, and to be fair, the like we're very grateful for the amount of investment that's been put in the town. If we hadn't that, I think the whole town would be submerged this morning. You know, and to it's they're still working on the projects, the flood relief and the main drainage concurrently. So um, we. We're still in the middle of all of this construction and the roadworks and everything are, you know, going on at the moment. But I do feel that if if we hadn't any of the flood relief done, it would be way worse. Of course, of course. There was a farmer, I think, was a hero yeah. on the night. Yeah, he came in. No, I, do, I don't actually have his name, but he came in with his son um, and brought in an empty tank and pumped it full of water and was along with the two local fire brigades and... The county council were out all night. You know, again, it just shows like the community spirit that is in the town, and it's yeah. these people are amazing. You know, they just got up, came in, and helped any way he could. That, that's and what that's what I, people do in in yeah, West Cork, I think, yeah, it just, and all over the know, country. Yeah, yeah it, it's lovely. It's kind of heartwarming to see. You know, it's lovely. But I mean, when you look at Bantry this morning and what Ross Carberry has gone through in the last two weeks like we're very lucky in Bandon um, that we haven't we're not in a similar situation you know I know it's poor poor like condolence for the people that were flooded last night and there as I said there are a lot of questions that have to be asked yeah Yeah. I mean we know it's been exceptional we know we've had a couple of very exceptional nights of of bad weather and an awful lot of rain I mean just as I said last night the bones of two inches of rain fell across West Cork last night in a very short space of time but you would think would you not that projects should be developed and put in place with a view to having capacity to take surge you would you would, and I mean, like, I don't, I, I don't have the answers as to why they're not working. You know, I think Bandon is a very old town, and the, the roads are very, like, there's a dip in the road there at the bottom of South Main Street, and it just seems to, it's like a pressure point. So I don't know, but we will be asking a lot of questions, as I said, and trying to find out why why it didn't work. Okay. You know, right. um, the other the other fear I have uh, now talking to Terrence down in uh, Terrence down in, in in Bantry. He's lucky; he's got a good, robust insurance policy that he can yeah. fall back on. But back yeah. in, down in Bandon, I don't think flood insurance is a thing anymore. No, post the flood of two thousand and nine, um, like personally for our own business, we have no flood insurance. My husband owns a pub just down the road. He has no flood insurance. No no property on the, on the main street or any flood-prone area will have flood insurance. So, you know, if the town does get flooded like Bantry last night or us Carberry, I would really find find it very hard to see a lot of the shops getting back on their feet after it. You know? And it's been a hard enough summer without this. It has. Sure, everybody's crippled from this COVID and... You know, the closures and the, you know, even the expense of opening up your business and putting up all the the things in place, you know, 
to to be proactive about things and um, now we're back into this weather and you know all the storm fronts coming in and it's just it's very worrying like it really is yeah okay Hilary my best to everybody down there um, in Bandon this morning thank you that's Hilary O'Farrell chair of the Bandon Business Association and owner of O'Farrell's news agent now look it could be a lot worse if they didn't have any provisions in place from the OPW but they were supposed to prevent this, so they were. Actually, from the newsroom, I have the list, the reasonably updated list. Uh, Cork County Council says about 50 properties in Bantry have been affected. The Square, New Street, Bridge Street, Main Street. Um, a lot of localised downpours in Bandon as well between 11 and 3 a.m. They've Brady's Lane is the worst down there and Bridge Street. It's been cleared now. Council also confirmed flooding reports from Dunmanway, Ross Carberry, Clonakilty, Drimaleague, Lep, Ballydehob, Passage and Yall. The Fromoy to Lismore Road is passable again. That was flooded for a time. There was reports of a landslide in Killavullen. We haven't a whole pile more of information about that, but reports of a landslide in Killavullen. Flooding on the Mill Road in McCroom. Uh, closer to the city, there was flooding at Leemount and at Muskery Golf Club. Now, there's more strong wind forecast for today. People advised to be cautious of trees and stuff like that. I was concerned myself when I heard about it, about Skibbereen. We were on to the businesses in Skibbereen last week uh, after Storm Ellen, and the cutting, this place they call the cutting, caused a massive surge in Skib. The cutting escaped last night, thankfully. Uh, but questions being asked about what happened in Bandon. Why did the massive expenditure on Bandon not yield the result it should have. Why did those drains back up again? Those questions being asked next. The Opinion Line on Corks 96 FM. With the Junction, Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot and a self-service laundrette. You're one stop for everything. Due to COVID-19, the big summer concerts are all off but the biggest stars will still play this summer one two three the backgarden festival it's a new online station that plays non-stop festival hits from the ultimate superstar lineup round the clock every day the backgarden festival with harvey norman your specialist in sound this summer get all the lowdown and listen live on the corks 96 fm app or go to 96fm.ie this is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96 FM. Kevin says on Twitter, at Opinion Line 96, this is so avoidable. That's the sickening thing. Governments past and present know that flood defences are needed. You'll see them down there in wellies later for a photo op. Zero accountability. Well, I remember, uh, as we were saying there in Bandon uh, to Hillary in 2009, they were down there for the photo ops in the wellies and the leggings and everything they needed. And they said they'd get something done. And, and then they were supposed to be spending millions and millions. And, and then last night we had what we had. Senator Tim Lombard, questions to be asked. Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you getting on? Not too bad at all. What happened? What didn't happen? Pumps didn't kick in, I think. Well, yeah, look, we're not 100 sure. I'm actually here in Bandit at the moment. I've met an awful lot of the actual traders are affected last night by the floods. 
Um, and look, first thing is Bandon's open for business. I think, you know, they've cleaned up the actual mess. The sandbags have been moved out of the way and you know, the coffee shops are open, Hickey's news agents are open. Like, Hickey's news agents didn't go sleep at all last night. They were actually up all night watching the place, making sure the water didn't get in. When it did get in, they actually washed it out. So Bandon's up and running again. Um, what actually happened here is that um, water came in, fluval water came in, and it pooled, and there was major flooding in particularly Bridge Just, just outline for listeners now, Tim, what fluval water is, will you? Uh, so fluval water, it's not actually coming from the Banks River, actually coming in from rainfall itself. So it's water actually coming in from, it's coming in from the actual roads and the streams, from the actual, from the sky. So the banks of the river Bandon never actually broke its bank. And uh, so what, happened, what actually happened here is the capabilities of abandoned roads network or drain network to take the water into the abandoned river wasn't there. So the questions the people in Bandon are asking me this morning is where the pumps turned on, where they connected, and if they were connected, why didn't water pump away? Uh, I was here about three or four nights ago and the same kind of issue happened, but the pumps did kick in and they actually hovered the water off the streets and it was pumped into the river. So something different happened. Are, those, pu- are those pumps on, on an automatic sensor-driven device yeah. or, or are so, they manual? So how they work is they fill it, water goes into containing tanks. When they hit a certain level, the containing tanks, um, pumps automatically kick in and then push the water and then actually uh, pump the water into the river abandoned. Right. And, and is there um, a manual override that someone somewhere can just hit a button and go? There probably is. I'm not too sure. I'm like I'm waiting. I was actually I rang you up double morning half six. They've actually hang me back with well, them actually waiting for here, you know. And um, so I'm waiting to see exactly what the OPW are gonna say. I'm very concerned that like in Skibbereen, like you could definitely say that Carcan Council had an issue regarding a great not being put in place and that's why it's skipped for the territory for days ago. This is totally different here. I think GOPW need to answer how this actually happened, how a pumping system that has such capacity wasn't kicking in, if that is the story, and how they, if there was the lowest point abandoned by Hickey's Corner itself wasn't connected first. Like, my late father's dead since 04, and he often said that abandoned with the flood, it was going to flood Hickey's Corner. We always knew that was the pinch point. If that works haven't been completed now, I'm wondering why weren't they the first thing they actually did when they started digging up Bandon? Like, Bandon's after traumatic 10 years. Yeah. Since 2009, there's been flood relief works here, there's been flooding works, there's been... A lot of disruption for people. Total disruption. It's been chaotic, you know. And I think um, there's a real sense of frustration, anger, and disappointment that this mm. is after happening again. Plus the fact, Tim, that... People have no access to insurance. And that is nearly the most common thread I've come across and I met everyone or the actual retailers this morning. Um, their insurance issues haven't been sorted out because they are still in the major frontline. And again, when they thought they were out of that scenario, that Bandon had, you know, changed, there had been so much investment that that now had moved on. Now we have a floody again. Like those pictures on Facebook last night that happened at 12 were frightening. And I came down here at 1 o'clock and I was just frightened to see the fire engines there. I see the action of monster drain lights pumping out water. Yeah. They pumped 70,000 gallons of water out of Bridge Street last night. Like that 70,000 gallons of water would have literally been three feet long shot in Bridge yeah. all the way down. So, um, major questions need answers. Need you up to a tariff because because and oh, I know two thousand nine is is a long time ago. It's it's eleven years ago. For but for many of the years in between since two thousand eleven, anyway, your party 
Senator Lombard has been in government. So people will be looking to you and your colleagues to say, well, what happened here? And we've spent millions upon millions of floods and schemes in Skibreen, Tanakilty, Bandon. And for something like this to happen now is very, very disappointing. And the real issue here is if there is a glitch, if there's a problem, we need to find out what it is and fix it straight Mm. away. Because the other thing, Tim, is, and let's face it here, this has cost the taxpayer, all of us, this our money, you see. This cost us a lot of money, and we're wondering, why didn't we get bang for our buck here? Yes, and I think that's one of these questions that have to be asked. But the big issue for the people banding here is that the weather is going to, you know, it's traumatic for the next 48 hours at least. Uh, They want to make sure that if there was something else to happen tomorrow morning, that we would have a scenario that needs... First question I think you should ask, I think we should be trying to find, is there a manual override for this pumping system? And if and, and if so, how do you override it? And if not, why not? Yeah, and I suppose the, the other question is, were these pumps connected? There was a work happening in town yesterday. One of the stories here, and again, I, you know, it's only a story. I'm not too sure it's the truth, that because there was works in town that these drains weren't connected. Ah, we're going to have to have, you know, the to promotion and make clear exactly okay. what happened. A lot, lot, of, lot of questions to, to follow on for this one. Your, your, your line is bad due to the, the wind down there. So I'll leave it for now. Senator Tim Lombard of Fine Gael, thank you very much. He's in Bandon right now. Uh, it's nasty weather-wise. Actually, we're looking to talk to Kevin Morey, who is the Cork County Engineer, or indeed any other senior official from the County Council that can take a few of our questions. There is a severe weather assessment meeting currently taking place in County Hall, we presume, or at least zooming in to County Hall. So as soon as that's over, we'll get to talk to somebody. On WhatsApp, Catherine says one of the problems uh, causes some of the flooding is that years ago, farmers were drawing gravel out of the beds of the rivers and by the following year be full of gravel again, but that was all stopped. I wonder why. Tom worked with pumps years ago. They're supposed to be manually tested without the water. Another Tom, Tom Barry, they spend millions of pounds of taxpayers' money and it's a sticking plaster solution. We'll get the same here in the city with walls instead of a tidal barrier, says Tom. Another message, my heart goes out to the people in Bantry. It's unimaginable the damage that water can do. My parents' home in Ballyvalan was one of many flooded years ago when the culvert was blocked with debris washed downstream. The water came overground like a river and settled in the homes at three and four feet deep. It was devastation. It cost tens of thousands of euro. And what did the Cork main drainage system cost back in the day at Monaghan Road, Centre Park Road? They still flood today. Kate says there are great x-ray machines now that can survey all the pipes underground and show potential leaks and blockages. I saw on Discovery Television a programme where they showed how it all works. Whatever happened to the fellas that were digging and cutting back the ditches? Something certainly went wrong last night in Bantry and they had a hell of a night in Bandon. And as I say, we will come back to this when we can talk to someone from the County Council. Kevin says, record-breaking Arctic ice melting and we're seeing unbelievable unseasonal storms. Nobody can tell me the two aren't linked. Well, they probably aren't, Kevin. In fact, there's plenty of evidence out there that they are linked. You know, they are absolutely linked. But that's not, that's like precious little use to the people of Bantry this morning. They just want their houses cleaned and their businesses sorted and their town protected. And it's even less use to the people of Bandon who thought it was all sorted. But I get your point. 
I do indeed. 185715996 to something that we picked up on last week when we spoke to Leslie in Scotland who is involved in the support of people suffering from long-term COVID-19 and we heard back from Leslie after that conversation to say that she'd been inundated with people from Ireland and from Cork in particular uh, chiming in on her various support sites and her Facebook page and it seems to, we spoke then was it to Darren was his name who was a DJ he's in Carlow but spent a long time in Cork he has been sick with COVID on and off since the middle of March yesterday I was talking to Matt Jevon the, the diver, he got sick in March and he's just about, in the last couple of weeks, got a full bill of health again uh, to go back not just to normal life but go back to, to the work that he loves. COVID is an unpredictable bugger in that you and I might both get it. Just you and me now listening to us this morning. You and I might both get it. We're both in good health, reasonably robust health. I will have... 10 days of feeling like I've been hit by a bus and then maybe another 5 or 6 days and I'll be grand again. For you, you'll still be unwell at Christmas and maybe beyond. Kieran O'Neill, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. You're another one of these long-termers. Unfortunately, I am, yeah. What happened to you? Um, I became ill towards the end of March. It was the 21st, the 22nd, that weekend. Um, what started off with a tickle in the throat that I couldn't clear um, over the weekend progressed into uh, a high temperature, chest pains, cold sweats and a dry cough. I knew myself it wasn't just man flu or the typical flu. I knew something, I felt something was, was wrong. So on the Monday, um, I contacted my GP, gave him the symptoms over the phone and he advised me to go to hospital. Yeah. Um, I arrived at Tala Hospital and was seen by a three-hour nurse and I was two, two and a half hours in there and I was discharged and told to self-isolate as uh, possible COVID. At the time, they weren't taking anyone into the hospital unless you um, had a, a positive swab. Nice. So I came home and I, my GP arranged for a swab. He said it would be five to ten working days and, and just to self-isolate and to, to look after myself uh, more or less. So... And that was on the Monday, the 23rd. Over the next four days, I progressed more and more. I got worse and worse. And the, the sweats became daily, like hourly. And my cough, my, my chest pains was just immense. I, 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 it was like someone was sitting on top of me. I couldn't breathe. And by Friday, the 27th, and, and, and I was... Sorry to cut across you, Kieran. Is that in a resting position? Like, that, is that just sitting oh, down? that was me confined to the bed. And still so struggling to pull week. the breath in? still struggling and it was getting worse and worse until Friday the 27th I was literally struggling struggling to breathe I was gasping for breath and um, my partner brought me straight back down to the hospital um, I was brought in to triage five minutes in there I was brought down for resuscitation uh, that was as I said the 27th of March on the 28th of March I was put into uh, an induced coma to relieve the pressure on my lungs and they had told my partner they would it would be three or four days, so they'd, they'd gradually wake me up on the Tuesday. Um, unfortunately, on the Monday night or the Tuesday morning, I went into full respiratory failure, meaning that the ventilator I was connected to was doing 100% of the breathing for me at this stage. My lungs were just defunct, 
and I ended up spending 16 days on a, on a ventilator. I didn't come around until the 13th of April. What is the last thing that you remember before that? The last thing I remember is sitting in... I can't remember the room as much. I, I remember standing... Uh, I was obviously in constant uh, contact with my partner through text messages. We were about worried. Um, but it, it got to the stage where I couldn't... I couldn't text anymore. I was getting very nauseous and dizzy and I had um <clears throat> excuse me. I had a deoxygen mask on me. And I remember sending her a picture and of, of myself and that was it. I don't remember much after that then. Right. Um, You're frightened. I was scared, absolutely scared beyond belief. Scared beyond belief, yeah. So when you eventually woke up, how how long were you down for? Um, I was asleep for 16 days and as I said, they woke me up um, after 48 hours I was brought from the ICU to a high dependency unit um, after two days there I moved to a, a, an isolated ward on my own just a small side room and after a week there I was put into a general ward with five other um, patients um, while I was in the coma I experienced a high level of delirium so when when they when they managed to wake me up, I was convinced I was in. This will sound crazy. I was convinced I was in an Irish naval um, hospital in the Philippines. Right. And I was arguing with all the doctors and nurses. I've been told that I was, I was, I was crying. I was upset. I wanted to fly home. I was yeah. You were completely out of it, like absolutely up until. I would say up until probably the, the twenty, the twenty nineteenth of March or nineteenth of April, maybe. Right. For a good week after waking right. up, I was still hesitant. I was actually in Ireland in the same hospital where right. I was. So that was the nineteenth of April. This is the twenty fifth of August, mm. and is that that little catch in your throat there? A while ago, is 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 that still the back end of COVID? Um, it's, I don't have it anymore. I mean, it's it's when I was in the coma, I suffered nerve damage. Um, you know, there's there's two theories on it. One theory was the nerve. I suffered nerve damage down the left side of my body. So at the moment, I still can't walk right. Um, I have awful pain in my leg and my my left foot. I have very little feeling in my in my toes and parts of the foot. Um, two two theories on that is that when the body fights the infection. It draws on all the stored fat and muscle, and unfortunately, it draws on everything from my left leg. And then the other thing is, during the proning sessions, where I was kind of flipped from from belly to back, uh, my foot could have been resting in a certain position, and it's causing nerve damage that way. Oh my goodness! So I mean, yeah. you were a fit lad, played football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Done, done my astro once a week, and you know, I'm I'm have a fairly active job as well, so I'm on my feet every day, constantly. You back at work um, yet? No, wow. no, still unable. I still have. I still suffer with shortness of breath. Um, I sweat profusely still, mainly at night now. Um, but any sort, you know, if I go upstairs to use the bathroom, I, I'm sweating. I'm showering twice a day, changing bed sheets every day. It's that bad. What age are you, lad? Thirty-four. Thirty-four last month. So y- young, 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 fit and healthy. Yeah, and yeah. still floored. And still floored. And I mean, it wasn't as if I was. I was. You know, I was obeying these these guidelines right from the beginning. I had two elderly parents, and I had when I used to go up to visit them, I would stand in the garden and talk to them, and they would get into the house. You know, this this sort of way. But I was always very cautious because I was under the impression if I got it, I could handle it. 
Michael's saying we're spreading it to someone more vulnerable. But little did I know, it, you know, it doesn't care how old you are or what your health issue is. If you have any, it, it'll get you. Yeah. Have you any any prospect of, of when you'll be right again? Uh, I don't, no. I, I mean, hope is a, a very, very strong thing. And unfortunately, I, I keep getting told to be more realistic and just to try and switch off and, you know, try and look after yourself and not, not rush into, I suppose, get back to some level of normality. But like everyone else, I suppose, it's, it's tough, you know. You just want to, to get back to normality, but then you, you also run the risk of of having a relapse, or as we've seen in, in Dublin City Centre there at the weekend, of spreading the virus even further. So I suppose, like, everything... Do you know to, how you got it, Kiran? Do you know from where you got it? No? No, I, I could, you know, I could, I could hatch a hundred guests, but I'll, I'll never know. I'll never know exactly where I picked it up. Are you worried for the future? as to how much of your fitness you will get back. I am. I'm very worried. I'm very worried. You know, I have... My partner, she was off work for a couple of months there. Um, she went back to work in the end of June, start of July, so I'm, I'm on my own every day, and it's... It leaves you a lot of time to think about everything, and it's scary. Yeah. You know? I, one of my guests yesterday, Matt Jevin, um, who I spoke about when I was introducing you, he said this to me, and he said this to listeners, and I think you'd echo it, no matter how fit or healthy you think you are, you don't want this little bugger. Absolutely. You, you don't want it. You don't want to experience it. You don't want anyone in your family or friends in your circle to experience it because it, it's... I, I, I can't put it into words. It's, it's just such an awful, awful thing to, to go through. And for people um, who you see on social media, Kieran, all the time, no matter how many people are seriously ill like you were, no matter how many people die, no matter how much the surge continues around the world, Asher is only an owl flu. It's yeah. not, it's not yeah. is it? No, it's, it's far from, from the flu. Um, you know, these people, there's nothing I can say or anyone can say that, that will change their opinion. It's just they're set in this way and this mentality of it's, it's, it's a conspiracy. It's just the flu. The government are doing X, Y, and Z. I actually believe if the government had banned the wearing of face masks, people, these people protesting would be actually wearing face masks. They seem to want to go against the government all the time and they're looking for someone to blame and people to blame and point a finger at is where I, I, I'll see it. But, um, yeah, I just don't engage. You mean the anti-maskers would be pro-maskers if the rest they of would. us... <laughs> they, they, they just want to do the opposite of what's, what's, being, what's being said. There's a lot I want you to say, fella. Listen, all I can do is wish you well and thank you for talking to me. Thank you very much. Take I really care of yourself. Thank you. Cheers. That, 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 that's Kieran O'Neill, another sufferer of long COVID. He's sick since the middle of March. He was 16 days in an induced coma. He's 34, plays soccer, works a hard-working job, and he's still not right. He's still in pain. He's still sweating. He still can't climb the stairs properly. This is not an old flu, lads. Kevin was responding to what, or sorry, Eugene was responding to what Kevin said about climate change and obviously linking what's happening in Bandon and in in Bantry and in Skib last week to climate change. 100% says Eugene, they talk of how cattle numbers can't be cut. Well, I think the actual change in climate 
will dictate how many cattle we can keep because you'll need more silage and feed per cow and it'll be harder to get enough feed. So the numbers will need to be cut. Our cows are inside today. We're using winter feed. And long term, that only becomes workable with lower numbers. Uh, on the OPW and the County Council, Paul says via WhatsApp, Morning team, if you don't, if you do get to the, talk to the OPW stroke council this morning, they were claiming in recent weeks there was a minor issue on Brady's Lane and Bridge Street that the pumps kicked in and did their job. It would appear they can deal with the small stuff, but not the big ones. Unless, of course, they never actually worked at all in the first place. I'm not usually a skeptic, but dot, 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 says Paul. Just listening. Uh, Lorraine was listening to Kieran there. I'm now terrified to send my son back to secondary school. A member of our family who lives in the same house has an underlying health condition. If my son gets it and brings it home and passes it on, it might be very serious. We will be returning to the issue of back to school uh, post-COVID or trying to go back to school in a COVID world. We'll be returning to that and plenty more after the news. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Just listening back there to that uh, clip from Dr. Favier on children going back to school. Uh, particularly interested to know what you think about that. Like a child who has a sniffle or a snotsy or, or a cough or a sneeze. She's saying if they don't have a temperature and they just have a sniffle, is she saying send them in? But what if they've got a sniffle today and a temperature tomorrow? What happens then? Have they gone in with COVID? You don't know, do you see? It's very confusing for parents. If they're not feeling well, if they have a temperature, they're not themselves, then don't send them in. But who's to say that today's snotty nose isn't tomorrow's temperature? And you've sent them in 24 hours early. And they might be in... You see, it's so flipping difficult. And what we have to be really careful for, or careful about here in Cork, is to keep our numbers down. Our numbers are actually, relatively speaking, the way the rest of the country is going at the moment, places like Kildare, Dublin, in particular, actually, Kildare and Dublin. Our, our numbers are good at the moment. Not as good as they were, but they are good. In fact, before going to education and school I was looking at the hub again this morning now the hub as you know updates I've been telling you this now this is the official government hub where they chuck in all the data so they give us data of an evening time say half five quarter to six and that data comes out and then maybe about 24 hours later or 36 hours later that's been all fed into the hub into the graphs and the blocks and the diagrams and the whole thing so that's where I take my references from, uh, the official COVID-19 hub, which has the last solid update was Saturday evening. So as of last Saturday evening in Cork, our 14-day case number, and again, we've explained to you how important that is. The 14-day case number for last Saturday was 32. For the previous Saturday, it was 28. And for the Saturday before that, it was 20. So in the month of August, we've had 32, 28, 20 cases per fortnight. Go back to July, and we had 15 cases in a fortnight up to the 22nd of July. Go back to June, 
when we really had a hold to this thing. We had four cases in a 14-day period here in Cork. So we've gone up from four to 32. That's eight times more in eight weeks, roughly. But let's go back to where we don't want to go. Go back into the lockdown times and the 22nd of April, which was mid-lockdown. Our 14-day figure then was 593 cases in Cork. So we're well and truly in control of it. We have to keep control of it, which is why a lot of parents are going to be really nervous about the children going back to school. Not so much whether the children will get it themselves and be sick about with it, but it's who will they infect afterwards. And you can tell people a hundred times that this is the science and that is the science and the other is the science. But people are scared to send their children back to school. Some of the kids who are old enough to understand are scared themselves about going back to school. And are the kids, are the schools ready? Is the other question. All of the schools had guidelines, they've all had instructions, or have they? What exactly are they doing? We wanted to catch up with the biggest provider of education in Cork. Is the, It's the Cork Education and Training Board. We've spoken of it many times in many different contexts on the opinion line. CETB. They look after creches, they look after primary and secondary schools, and they look after colleges of further education as well. So we said we'd catch up and have a chat with their chief executive. I've been speaking to Dennis Leamy. Dennis, looking down at the list of what comes under your your reach, two community schools, 28 post-primary schools, four PLC colleges and whatever you're having yourself, as the man said. You'd be the biggest education provider in Cork. So, so what kind of provisions have you got in place for the return to school? Well, PJ, we've been working, I suppose, uh, under the guidance of the Department of Education for the last couple of months in terms of investing considerable resources in supporting the schools to reopen in a, in a safe way. So there's been a lot of additional resources to, to support minor school works, additional staffing, enhanced cleaning uh, has been also provided to the schools and the school leadership as in the principles of all the, of all the schools and training centres have been working on this over the last month in looking at uh, where the resources are needed to get ready for the reopening of, of, of schools. Mm-hmm. So each school for example would have a COVID response plan to manage the return to school it, it just in relation to how the school would operate or uh, centre would operate on a day to day basis so for example procedures have been developed to just you know, manage the uh, how staff and students enter and leave the school each day, mm. how staff and students move between classes, how the social spaces are organised at break times. And we're also looking then, and it also depends, because there's, there's the, every school is different, uh, in some, some in most instances, but the, the school canteens won't be available, and uh, there'll be, be packed lunches provided to the to the to the students. Also, then we're looking at things like use, you know the use of toilet facilities, etc. Et and uh, also a lot of procedures put in place uh, in, in the in the event of a, st- a student or staff member becoming ill. Uh, during the school day. I suppose with, with all the different settings, there will be different requirements, but there'll be a few things would be pretty standard across the board, would there? A few things are fairly, fairly standard. So, uh, for, for, for example, uh, each school has uh, been appointed an, an aide. So uh, that, 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 per- that person is there to, 
ensure that the, the the school furniture is 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 appropriate for the the, the school. Not like a COVID officer or the something. COVID, COVID officer. Well, there's also a lead worker representative, which is selected by the colleagues in this in the school. So the staff have selected that person, and that person will be focusing on the cleaning, the control measures, and communication with the management team. And also, what's key in this is uh, communication. And I, and all the the, the principals uh, in the in the schools that we're working with have been communicating to the parents in the last number of weeks, just, just outline what's expected and what, what, what things are in place to make the return as safe as, as possible. So there's, and then there's different risk, risk assessment has been carried out in each school as well. And uh, all schools and colleges and centres are going, you know, will follow their government uh, and Department of Education guidelines and protocols yeah. in relation to that. And, and those guidelines, as people have been telling us on the programme over the last while, teachers in particular, they're complex and, and they're detailed and some of them are difficult to follow. How have you been doing with that? Well, uh, communication has been key to that. So we've, we've, brought, we've brought together, for example, our school principals early in the month to, to work together in terms of a shared understanding of what these guidelines are uh, so that people have been able to sh- share best practice, look at how, what the impact of that is in each of their schools and, and centres. And then in turn, the school principals have been working with their schools, school staff to, 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 to go through these step by step in relation to what it, what, it, what it means. I mean, COVID, it's COVID itself it's, it's, it's a virus that's very difficult to uh, manage. But the, so, so therefore, the, the, the things that are in place by, this, by its nature may, may seem complex. But I think over the last number of weeks, all the staff teams have been getting used to what needs to be put, mm-hmm. needs to be put in place. The other thing, too, is we have all these things in place. But as, as students come back, as teachers, teachers come back, some of this is going to evolve as well yeah. over, over time. Uh, You're not going to really know until you put students into the mix. But, for example, the creches are, are back now with a while. Have you learned anything from that? Well, we've, what, we've, what we've learned, I suppose, is in, in terms of, of, of you know, of the, the main, main thing is uh, congregation. You know, uh, either uh, students, parents, teachers, whoever, you know, to avoid any congregation of groupings. Uh, before uh, people go into, into into school or afterwards, so there's there's a number of uh, staged drop-offs for for for, number, for schools, staged uh, pickups. Uh, also, uh, students will be in the in the one in the one classroom for the course the course of the day with some breaks mm. in for the for the for the for the outside. So it's it's ensuring that that uh, it's trying to put as many many measures in place to ensure that there's not a huge congregation of people. Yeah. Is uh, is there a certain uh, nervousness, Dennis, about stuff that looks good? written down but in, when you try to do it it's different yeah of, co- of course absolutely PJ and I suppose when, when stuff is written down sometimes it, it might seem might seem straightforward but I think it's, it's, it's in the doing that, that, that uh, it's, going to, it's going to be where the, the, the rubber hits, hits, the, hits the road uh, but I, I, I have every confidence in just from talking to, to the various principals around, the, around the, the county and the city that all of these things have been, have been put, put, in, put in place yeah. and, the, and, the, and the key to, the other thing too is a lot, there's, I suppose there is individual responsibility here I suppose we've been living with this virus since, since, since March uh, all of us are used to the different measures that we that we're expected to, to, to take on in terms of uh, preventing the, the, the virus spreading. Just you know, like this, the yeah. straightforward things in terms of the, wa- the washing of hands and all the, the various et- etiquettes. And, I, and, and to that extent, we're uh, we're also building, I suppose, and relying on the culture and the leadership within the schools. And in the in the schools, there's a there's a good good culture of yeah. of compliance, and it's relying on those pieces, but also relying on 
parents communicating with their with their with their children, yeah. and schools communicating with 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 parents and keeping those communication lines open, so that understandably there's 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 yeah. some anxiety about it. When you have such a broad church, for want of a better term, a big wide umbrella, and loads of different institutions coming under that umbrella. It, it must be of some use in terms of formulating these living documents of policy, as it were. It really, it really is, and that's and that's why I think that these these documents are going to evolve over over time. So we'll be learning uh, as 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 everything's put into practice. We're going to be taking the learning learning from that, um, making maybe changes or amendments that are needed to the to the to the practice, learning from one uh, institution to 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 another, and building on that. So we're, mm. we're, it's a living. It's a it's it's the guidelines we've got from the departments. Are living documents, and we're also then subject, of course, to the guidance from the from the HSE and the Health yeah. Safety Authority as well in building that and evolving that over over time. Yeah. What about blended learning, Dennis? We hear from CIT, UCC, other universities and colleges that they plan to do a week in and two weeks out. That kind. Of, have you got plans in that regard? Well, uh, no. Our expectation is to bring everyone everyone back uh, from from the end of this end of this week into the start of uh, into the start of next week. Of course, we have the experience of the blended of the blended learning and and, and reliable relying on ICT mm. since the since but the Is there lockdown. space for all those people to distance? Well, in most, in most, in the vast majority of our our centres, there there is uh, because uh, we've we've we changed we're changing the way that that. Uh, uh, schools are going to carry out their practice. So, so for example, students who remain in one, in the one, one class, there is no congregation. There's, there's a limited congregation on, on, on corridors yeah. where, uh, where, where it's not possible to have the two meters. Uh, of, like all, all students would be wearing masks as well as the, as well as the teachers. So we're following all the, all the, all the health yeah. guidelines in relation to that. I imagine the Perspex man has been busy. Very busy, actually. And I just we just got delivery here in the office of a lot of what we call care packs, personal care packs for 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 students, which. Uh, has the the uh, visors, has the, the 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 individual wipes, has the masks, and then we've got different perspex in uh, being, being placed in each of the, each of the each of the schools, especially around the science labs and the home economics labs, where by its nature uh, students might be a little bit closer, but there's yeah. perspex between each of the units yeah. in terms of working, so they'll be yeah. extremely busy. You, you could have in in a, in a lab, for example, when you have kids operating in any kind of young younger older people operating in teams, heads come into the middle of the table to look at a document. Sure. And that's, There's and that's, a contact problem yeah, there. There, there. There is, and that's why we've, we've, we've put a bit of focus in relation to uh, reorchestrating those rooms and putting in the, in the, in the, pers- in the perspex divides between each of the units that students would be work, working in. Uh, and uh, it, 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 it will be as well about encouraging uh, students not to, to be congregating together in a, in, a, in a group setting. So there will be some change in terms of how mm. work has been done uh, to date. Just in terms of adult education, because that's another part of your your remit, that's a kind of a different scenario, isn't it, Dennis, in that you have a load of adults working their day jobs or, or at home all day from different lifestyles and different offices and different other workplaces, and then they're coming in for an adult education class. That carries its own risk, doesn't it? It it does it does indeed, and I suppose we're hoping we're hoping to have in place the adult education classes by the end of September. Uh, so we'll have equally have learned a lot from the number of weeks that we'll have the the, the schools up up and up and running. But so yeah, as you say, PJ, the people are coming from different uh, uh, areas, houses uh, to, uh, together congregating. But the same. Like the I'm same thinking in terms of, of a situation of someone working in a meat factory, coming in for an evening class. 
Yeah, and I suppose what we it, it back, it's back again to communication. So uh, we will be setting out clear expectations in terms of any uh, uh, adult learner that comes into a, f- a facility in terms of what they have to do. I mean, like we're clearly saying to people that if there's any sign of of, of COVID or illness that they do not come into 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 a, into a building, we'll be uh, communicating at that clearly to all our adult learners before and the classes are up and uh, up and running. And then we'll be going through the same safety procedures. In terms of the uh, different etiquette, that you know, in terms of uh, coughing etiquette, in terms of hand washing, in terms of mask wearing, etc., uh, for those for those classes that are, that are that are taking place. Dennis, how confident are you that this can all be done, and that in six or eight weeks' time, we won't be closing the schools down again because it's gone. It's gone rampant. Well, How I, confident are you? Well, I'm, I'm very confident in the measures that we're putting in place because I, I think there's a lot of thought has been put in, in, into getting those, those measures, measures, measures together. I, I think I, what, I, what I can't, like, there's, there's no such thing as zero risk in relation, in relation to this uh, because, because of the sheer numbers, uh, sheer numbers of, of people. Uh, there, may be, there may be instances, but I suppose I would reiterate what Professor Philip Nolan uh, was saying, saying yesterday, that if there are instances, and there will be likely be instances in the school, but it's, it's likely that such cases will have been contracted at home or in the community rather than in the, in the schools them, themselves. Yeah, so what yeah but hang the on, you see, the, 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 I, heard, I heard that, that interview yeah. with, with Professor Nolan, and, I, and I, I see his point, but if someone has the virus and they bring it into a classroom, it doesn't matter whether they got it at home or where they got it. If they bring it into a classroom, you've got a problem. We do have a problem, but I suppose the procedures are put in place to limit the, the extent of that of that issue and, and that problem. So it's it's not, not to say that there there may be a likelihood of of some some spread, but it's about us isolating that 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 uh, uh, spread once 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 it, once it happens. Mm. And uh, in terms of uh, over the over the between now and between now and Christmas, we're determined that we we keep the this this the schools open mm. and that we're determined to keep the education centres open. But it may it may be that uh, at different times you may have to there might have to be a classroom shut or whatever. But it's it's keeping that uh, that that running in the context of whatever might develop okay. within the, the the school or education setting. Just before I let you go, can I ask you a couple of things uh, separate to this? The new school plan for Carrick Tool. We've been covering yeah. it a lot here in the programme. Yeah. Where is that right now? Well, the good, the good news is that that has uh, uh, the planning permission has gone through, gone, through, gone through for that, and it's on. It's it's. I'm glad to say it's on schedule. Uh, in in the in the new new facility uh, uh, in Carrickool being being built, I know it's been a long time waiting mm. uh, for, for 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 people there. But we've worked very closely with the leadership team out there and the parents, and we've been out out there a couple of times. Is there a completion or an opening date in mind? Well, there's not an exact opening date in mind, but it's but uh, I'd expect it to be completed within the next eighteen months to at maximum two years. Right. So say maybe the end of. That September 2022, you might be starting to get students in there. Is that it? We'd, we'd, we'd hope, but it could, it could be a little, it could be a little longer than okay. that because I suppose I'm not. I don't want to give a fixed date on it because I suppose COVID as well. Yes. In terms of how these buildings happen, it also intervenes there. Okay. And and lastly, Carrigaline, how is that coming along? There is a there is a, a three, major a, building yeah. project there. There's a there's a three three school a three school uh, project there a three school campus. So it contains a gate cloister, uh, also a gate skull and the Sunnis uh, special needs. So that's that's developing really uh, really well, uh, and so that's uh, we expect that that to be complete in time for the twenty one twenty two academic year. Great. All right. Listen, Dennis. Thank you for your time today. Not at all, PJ. Thanks, William. That's Dennis Leamy speaking to me earlier from the Education and Training Board about the plans. They're the biggest provider in in Cork. Um, I don't know whether you got anything out of that. Whether it 
applies to your school. I don't know how confident parents are. I really don't. Some of them are saying, well, we have to get them back into some form of education. We have to kind of suck it and see and be as careful as we can. Others are literally terrified to let the children go back. I will return to that in just a moment. But Derek has contacted the show. He's feeling very unwell and he's got a problem. And I want to try and help him next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Selfservicelaundry.ie The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quartz 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. This is Quartz Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Quartz 96 FM. Now, Derek, for data protection purposes and other things, I'd ask you not to not to name your own your own GP, please, if you would. But you're you're not feeling very well at all, my friend. Good morning. I'm not morning, PJ. I'm not feeling a bit well, PJ. Um, for the last two days, there, you know, I'm fairly chesty and all my sinuses are blocked and I'm getting pains out of my body, you know. Um, so I contacted my uh, GP yesterday and it was late afternoon. I got a call back from him and he's after organising um, a COVID test for me. But I'm on the south side of the city myself right. and the test this morning is at 10 past 11. Um, of which I have no way of getting out of. Where are you supposed to go to, lad? Like, out to the Mallow Road. Um, so I contacted my GP uh, clinic this morning um, and they taught me um, that it's absolutely not up to them to organise for me to get out there. Um, that either get my parents or um, a friend to bring me out there. And when you were on to the GP and they were to arrange the test for you. Yeah. Did you discuss transport at the time? No, he just didn't. He just said he'd organise, um, he just organised the, the test for me. Um, and it was, late, it was late in the afternoon yesterday, so his clinic would have been closed. Um, like, so I waited. It was actually 8 o'clock on the button this morning. I rang three times. I've been on to the secretary out there, and she's basically getting stuck with me, saying it's absolutely nothing to do with them. I have to, I have to figure it out myself. Um, I have to ring in the emergency services, and I have to tie in the, uh, the 999 number up three times now this morning, which is unacceptable. Um, and thereafter, absolutely saying to me, like, that it's 100% up to your GP. Like, if you don't have a, a way of getting out there, it's up to them to organise a fire. Yeah. Like, the secretary is out there. Because you can't just hop into a taxi or hop on a bus. You, you, don't, I, know, you don't know what, you're, yeah, what you've so got what, right now. I don't, like, and I don't want to put anyone at risk. I, my mum and dad are in their 70s and they've, they've underlying problems. Like, my brother was in a, a, a serious um, state last year as well. He was in ICU for about four months. 
you know, um, I, I've no option to get out there. Like, I'd have to have him to get onto Donegal Larry's office there now. They're trying to help me as we speak here now, you know. And but is like, there no other testing centre other than sending a Southside lad out to the, to the, to the, to the, to the Manor Road? Yeah, like I do a bit what of What happened to Parky Cueve? Is that gone? Like Parky Cueve, there's the bonds, there's the Maher down in Mahin. Like, there's, there's a number of places. The rest are sending me to the farthest place possible and let me in limbo. Yeah. You know? Now we were on to um, Fergal there, who you were talking to, I think, off yeah. air. We we were on to to Doctor Nick Flynn, our our, our pal here, um, <laughs> regular pal on the show, and and who we clarify is not the GP involved or the clinic involved or anything. There is a no transport box on the form when your test is being booked, yeah. and once it's sent off, then that you can't edit the form anymore. And he thinks it's possible that some error has been made uh, yeah. at somewhere so if if you don't turn up, Nick is telling us that they will call you okay, Okay. they will call you and then they should rearrange a test which there is a home test or there is a yeah. a mobile yeah. test so, so don't worry too much Derek someone okay. will call you if you don't show up for your test and just yeah. explain to them look you've no way of getting there you don't you can't just they know you can't just hop in a taxi you can't just jump I on a can't, bus I can't go on the bus like I'm putting you know the community at risk there, like you know what I mean yeah. no I mean look if there's anyone out there this may seem like a very hollow request given the circumstance in that you think you might have COVID you worry that you might have COVID yeah. unless someone has a full PPE set up and and could take you there, yeah. but they'd want to be really careful and really safe. So if you don't get, if you don't turn up at your appointed time, yeah. you, you will get a phone call. At which point you just tell them, "Look, I can't get there. My doctor hasn't been able to get and put anything or hasn't put anything in place for me. I'm stuck out here on the south side. You're out there on Mallow Road. I want me test, but I can't get to you. That will happen if you don't show." Yeah, hopefully anyway, and um, like I am fairly chesty, I've been awful temperature, like, you know, yeah. and like... When, did, when, did, you start, when did you start to feel unwell, Derek? Uh, two days ago, uh, I started, like, uh, I just started feeling a bit wheezy and stuff like that, but by the time I woke yesterday morning, I had a temperature, I was coughing mad, like... Yeah. And I, like my bones are starting to get ache now and everything, like... And are you keeping yourself away yeah. from people? Like I, I lived in my parents' house and locked away in my bedroom there now, you know. Right. Um, like I had, like having to ring a TD's office uh, looking for help for medical for a medical reason. Like, do yeah. I mean that? Like, yeah. Well, Nick, 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 Nick Flynn seems to think a mistake has been made along the way somewhere. Yeah. So, and so, having, a secretary, having a secretary get stuck in me on the phone where I'm sick as well on top of it, you know. I know. I know. I know. Look. Right. Unless someone has another way of helping you at this point, I would suggest what you do is wait. Yeah. Because if you don't turn up, they will call you because they're expecting you because they know, obviously, they'll have gotten the form. Yeah. They know you're supposed to be coming. They will call you if you don't come. What I do is, if you, will we catch up again, Derek, before the yeah. end of the show? No right? problem. And, and if you don't show up in the Mallow Road at 10 past 11... They should surely call you before twelve o'clock. You would think. Yeah, so, okay. so, so, will we see? Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Peter. Okay, man. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Cheers, Derek. Okay. And look at and, and st st stay, stay safe and stay as safe as you can until until someone comes and, and helps you. All right. 
Thanks very much. Cheers, dude. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Derek. 1850-715-996. We'll try and catch up with him again, Virgil, before the end of the show to see did they call him. PJ, this is on WhatsApp. Just listening to him there. I'm a GP. We always ask mode of transport before booking a test. Public health also asks as well before the test is done. Well, this morning, he's been in touch with his GP secretary who said it's nothing to do with them. He rang the emergency services, who told him that it's his doctor's job, effectively. He's in limbo. He's on the south side, his test's on the north side, and he can't get there. Uh, Tony says the army organised transport to and from the test centre for me, and my GP set it up. 1850-715-996. We have another caller on another line saying it happened her as well. I'll just go to a break and see if we find out more. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction, Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot and a self-service laundrette. Your one stop for everything. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. You can check out Frank Brass as he takes you on a journey on the magical ebony and ivory keys through the streets of New York City. And into a show at the Kino on Washington Street this Friday night. Tickets are on sale now from the venue's website at kinocork.com. Access all areas. Cork born and bred, sixth generation fiddler, multi-instrumentalist and singer-songwriter Claire Sands has announced a fund campaign for her debut self-titled album. The rewards on offer include CDs, vinyl, lino cut prints and textile art. Check out Claire's social media pages for more. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now, 0833969696. On Courts 96 FM. Tracy, going back to school is a big worry for you. Good morning. Steve. It is. Good morning. Tell me more. Um, well, I have a teenage son. He's nearly 16. He's profoundly disabled and very medically fragile. Um, I am definitely keeping him home from his special needs school um, currently because of COVID, etc. Um, but I also have a son who's going into secondary school. Um, it's a school of over 800 teenagers. And the thought of him going in daily and then coming home, <laughs> having been around 800 other teenagers, when his brother is in the very high-risk category, and I myself have an autoimmune disease, so I'm in what's called the high-risk category, yeah. it's, just, it's just too great of a risk, especially as a lone parent. I'm old family. Yeah. And only brother, I mean, remote learning has to be a thing for families who have a person in their household at very high risk category. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's not in the roadmap put out by Department of Education. Yeah, your your, your other son that you that 
No, you said that your 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 son with with the additional needs won't be going mm-hmm. back. But the other son, right. does he want to go back? <laughs> no, not really, because he's, you know, having having grown up with his older brother being as complex medically in and out of hospitals. Frankly, we've nearly lost him a number of times, and he's this is his normal, what he's grown up with. And so he's, in his understanding of how vulnerable and fragile life can be, especially for his brother, he's probably a bit ahead of the curve for kids his age in that understanding. So he's very aware of what this means. You know, he has seen COVID unfold on the news and in, you know, he knows I'm an advocate. He knows, he's heard me talk before, you know, so he knows, he, he's just very aware. And um, I wouldn't say, you know, it's an unhealthy anxiety about it. He's he's just logically looking at this and going, mm. how am I supposed to go into this large school safely and come back to you both, you know? That's, that's probably his concern that, look, uh, you know, I might be all right, but what about my brother? What about my mom? Exactly. And that is what he has said to me. You know, my background is is actually counselling. I've been a school counsellor. I've been a child and family therapist back in the States. <coughs> Pardon me. And um, so I sit him down and I talk with him, which <laughs> probably annoys him how much I try to, you know, make sure emotionally he's where he needs to be in, you know, this whole anxiety and understanding and, you know, having been out of school for so long, you know, that all the children across the country, across the world are going through. So, you know, he, he's, he's very cognizant of, of the fact that there's repercussions to not taking care. Yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 have you been on to his school? I have, and I have to. I've been on with a school counselor. I haven't heard from her this week, but his school is quite large. Like I said, over eight hundred kids, and and they have two counselors. And I've been on with one quite extensively, and she is in full agreement that it would be best considering our particular family scenario that uh, Declan is remotely schooled, yeah. at least for now. Do they have but a facility they, to allow him do that? Well, one <laughs> fortunate thing in all this is that his secondary school is actually iPad-based. Right. They do everything on iPad, and I have his school iPad downloaded with or uploaded, whatever it is, <laughs> with all his e-books, as well as I have the hard copy books here at home already. Right. So he is set up in that regard, but it would, you know, unless I'm to step in and be a teacher and a full-time carer at the same time to my other son, which I don't think I could be, but um, he needs, you know, that remote contact at least once a day, I would say, to make sure he's doing what he needs to do, check his work remotely, that kind of thing. Um, What I am proposing and have been proposing now for the last, few weeks but to no avail 
is that why don't they look at, uh, and, and they being all the schools, especially secondary schools, surely they have teachers that are in the high-risk category, but they don't qualify under the Department of Education's plans to not go into work, which is crazy. They could be fighting cancer, be in the high-risk category, uh, or liver disease, or etc., and they still have to go in. Why doesn't the Department of Education or the government, whomever is making these decisions, say, look, you teachers that are in that high-risk category, you do the remote learning for the students. Isn't isn't it funny how people like like you and me and others and parents and others can can figure out plans and figure out here's a way that just might work but but no one in in authority seems to get it tracy i'm going to leave it there for no reason other than i need to go urgently to the county council to talk about floods but thank you very much and the best luck to you and and your sons Aidan Weir is the senior engineer uh, with Cork County Council. I know they've been having a meeting this morning to do with with weather and predictions for the weather. But obviously, I imagine, Aidan, that the flooding in Bantry specifically and in Bandon came up at that meeting. Good morning. Yeah, I suppose uh, we've had... um Good morning. We've had some uh, 40 to 50 millimetres of rain last night and it has resulted in flooding in many, many areas right across the county. Um, but as you said, the two uh, worst affected appear to have been Bantry and Bandon. Um, in Bantry, we've had flooding in the square, in New Street, in Bridge Street and in Main Street, resulting in damage to about 50 properties. Mm-hmm. Um, which is caused, I suppose, by prolonged intensive rainfall in the area, in an area that was already badly saturated. Um, so it's, uh, uh, the council crews are out there assisting uh, with, with property owners and so on and providing uh, skips during the day to, to assist with the clean-up. I suppose it's too late to prevent it, obviously, but, but, but how do you address the next well, step? Well, the next step is uh, is, a, is a major um, flood relief scheme for Bantry, and in fairness, the, the Office of Public Works uh, have approved that, and uh, the council is preparing um, a tender at the moment, and will be going to tender very shortly uh, for a structural assessment of that culvert in in Bantry, uh, which appears to be the source of a, a lot of the problems there. Yeah. Now, let's address Bandon, and obviously that those things take time so it's not like there's going to be work done next week or next month it will take time I suppose but let's look at, at, at Bandon because there was tens of millions of euro Aiden, spent in, in Bandon by the OPW and, and, and so what happened last night down there? Last night in Bandon I suppose between 11pm and around 3 this morning there was flooding at Brady's Lane and Bridge Street in Bandon now, this has since been cleared, and uh, the initial assessment appears to suggest that it occurred due to a significant amount of rainfall that occurred over a short period of time, which overwhelmed the sewer collection network. Um, like there are, like the, the, there is an Irish water drainage project in, in progress, which is expected to alleviate pressure on the combined sewer system. What I mean by combined sewer system is, is the sewer system that carries both both foul and flood water. And as I say, Irish Water have a project in, in progress to deal specifically with that. Yeah. But the main flood scheme in Bandon uh, performed well last night. Uh, and and uh, there did, were no, did the no, pumps, no issues. Did the pumps kick in? 
Yeah, I'm not couldn't answer the detail now about pumps kicking in, uh, but my my understanding, as I said, is that the issues last night were were related to that combined network, which was which was overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's, it's hard for people in Bandon listening to the programme and listening to you, Aidan, talking to me, saying that the thing worked well. They're saying, if the thing worked well, why did I have a foot of water in my shop? Well, as I, as I, I tried to explain to you, there are, there are two issues at play here. One is the, the, the flood relief scheme, which deals, I suppose, principally with the main river channel of the Bandon through the town. And that did work well. There was no flooding caused by that. The flooding last night was caused by an Irish water sewer, which was which was overwhelmed. And the good news is that there is currently a project underway in Bandon to deal with that. And hopefully, into the future, that that won't arise again. Right. What what can be done for the people who were? Uh, did have businesses damaged last night, though? I mean, what can the council do for them? Because they have no insurance. Yeah, well, look, I, I'm not privy to what might happen with with, with governments and so on, with within, with with cover for people who who've been uh, who've had their premises damaged last night. That's that's something that will become clearer in the coming days. But um, you know, as of today, we're dealing with the clean up specifically and trying to get. Uh, businesses back back up and running and provide skips for the clean-up and, right. and so on. And, and, and to be very fair, one of the first people I spoke to this morning uh, was the chap in, in Bantry. His his premises has been absolutely destroyed, but he he was very fulsome in his praise of, of council staff and, and, and council workers who came out to his assistance, and, and that shouldn't go unmentioned. Yeah, I suppose both both the kind of roads crews and the fire crews, uh, you know, are pretty well out all night right across the county. And, you know, I suppose we just shouldn't lose sight of that. It was just a period of intense heavy rainfall right across the county. And it's not just, you know, Bandon and Bantry. We've had issues in Dunmanway, Ross Carberry, yeah. Conaner, Clannacilty, Drimley. Oh, yeah, we've talked uh, to all those people. Yeah. Eden- we, we're going through a particularly rough patch of weather at the moment. Now, with a bit of luck, it'll improve at the weekend, somewhat. But we're, if we get if we get any more rain, like we got last night, we're they're going to be in trouble again down in West Cork. Yeah, absolutely. The the ground is totally saturated, and you know, in terms of the immediate risks, you know, we're looking. We're we're now in the middle of of a of a wind warning. Uh, and uh, you know, um, property owners and residents are you know are advised to take precautions you know for th- for this as well. So yeah. that that's in place right right. One, one of the things the that engineers do uh, is look at what might happen in certain scenarios. So so what can you offer in terms of protection if there was to be another storm? Well, if, if in relation to winds, there's very little the local authority can do except, you know, except advise people to stay indoors as much as possible and to avoid unnecessary journeys. And, you know, today's wind warning is, is particularly difficult because quite often, and even the wind warning last week was at night where most people would be indoors and at home. But the wind warning for today is, is right during daylight hours. Uh, for the next seven or eight hours and you know it, the winds are very high right across the county at the moment and right. trees uh, are sitting in saturated ground yeah. and are easily toppled over at yes. the moment so and they're in full leaf they're in full leaf yeah. as well and yeah absolutely and um, 
you know that the the dangers from falling trees is is with us right at this moment and will will be with us right through the day. All right. Well, here's hoping that everything can be coped with that happens. Aidan Weir, senior engineer with Cork County Council. Thank you very much for taking our call on the opinion line eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. The only thing you can really do is try to mitigate the damage at this stage, and when it's all over, hope it doesn't happen again. Derek, um, who was on to me a few minutes ago, drew his test at 10 past 11. No way of getting there. Seems to have been a mistake in the system somehow. Uh, with thanks to Simon Coveney's office, they called us to see if they could help him to get sorted. He is sorted, though, because one of his neighbours who was listening to the show has offered to give him a lift. And a nice, well, well done to whoever that person is. Uh, and I hope that you're adequately protected in case that Derek is positive. But we'll only know that when he's had his test. But good good Samaritan for turning up there and, and doing that for Derek. I love this call. Oh, yeah, Tony, by the way, you had a few calls as well. Tony said the army arranged transport for him. Um, we've had several calls to, the, to that effect. Caller says... EJ is doing a disservice to Cork. He's the number one scaremonger. We all have to learn to live with COVID, children and adults alike. It's all too negative. The people in these positions just have to bear the brunt of it. We need to get up off our asses and learn to live with it. Thank you. I don't know who you are, nor the sky above you. But maybe you're part of the problem when you think about it. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Thank you to you, Helen, for your message of support. I'm grand, lads. This stuff runs off me like water off duck's arse because I know they're only talking out their backsides, all these fellas. We know how careful we have to be, and I'm only telling people to be careful. You don't need to be scared. You need to be cautious. I don't want people to be afraid. I don't want to be frightened. I don't want to be scared. I want people to be cautious, to be aware. And since day one of this pandemic, we have aimed to do that on the show, to keep people aware of the facts, cautious of the risks, and tell them how to take the best possible care of themselves. That's what we've done on the show, and we will continue to do. Not scaring anyone. Uh, This is one deadly virus. Are people forgetting RTE's documentary? People are dying. People have become too complacent. It's not hard to remind us that this virus kills and some are left with side effects. And this is why I continue to go through the, the Cork numbers in such detail. We are still, still relatively okay here in Cork. And things have gone up. I gave you the numbers an hour ago. I don't propose to do them again. But in June... On June 22nd, we had a fortnightly figure of four, a 14-day figure of four. In July, it was 15. In August, it's 32. Out of a population of half a million, admittedly, here in Cork, but that's a rise. Eight times more cases per fortnight in August as we had in June. And we just need to be really, really careful. And that is the message we keep driving home. 1850-715-996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email opinion at 96fm.ie. We're on uh, Twitter at opinionline96. 
with the hashtag OL96 and of course our Facebook page the Corks 96 FM Facebook page message us there and mark your message please for the attention of the opinion line there's a tree down on the Cloyne Road just outside Cloyne Village be wary of that now I was talking to Dennis Leamy from the Education and Training Board about the various provisions being put in place for return to school and as a lot of people are can't, can't wait to get the children out to school and there's a lot of people very nervous about sending their children out to school and I think I, I think most listeners are somewhere in between but they don't really know for sure what to do uh, is it Romeo or Romeo? Good morning it's Romeo Romeo <laughs> Good yeah. morning, my friend. You are you're a health worker, and you were listening to the, in my interview with Dennis Leamy. Exactly. What did you want to say, sir? PJ, uh, thank you for having me, PJ, and you are doing a great job. PJ, we had this um, when we I heard him talking when we had this COVID nineteen. All the schools were closed down. Yeah. To keep the children safe from carrying them to the elderly. Now we are sending the school, the children back to school. That what has changed? That's my question. Nothing has absolutely changed. We, um, the board of director, I think one of the uh, the board of director, education board of director, director was giving us all the list of what has been put in place. Yeah. We must understand these are children. Yeah. Putting them in place doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to strictly follow them. And we just need one of them to be con- to be contacted and everybody's down. Yeah. This is how risky COVID is and we tend to forget about it. All what I see here is just a recycling game that we're playing. And it's not good for us. It, it, is, it was difficult for we, the adults, to follow these this very measures to keep COVID away. Even right now, there are measures that have been put in place with a law of fine that if you are found without a mask in the shop, you'll be fined 1,500 euros. That is a huge amount of money. Yeah. We adults, still, we still find ourselves in the shops without COVID. Yes. How do we think these children are going to implement these measures? The teachers are not going to be all behind them. In the normal days, students are very stubborn. Yes. In the normal days, and these are difficult times that we really need to keep these children indoors and maybe strengthen more measures on their online studies as they were doing them in a longer term until we see how this virus can be contained. So you're saying, Romeo, that we shouldn't be opening the schools at the moment? Not at all. Not at all. It's not making any sense. But it has been uh, done in many, many other countries. Yes, that is that is what we're failing to understand. It has been done in many, many countries. We have not had a single town of those countries being banned from people coming out and some going in into those towns. We have three, if not more now. Okay, are we asking ourselves what what happened? What are the causes of those towns, counties, Leach, Ufli, Kildare? What happened that these cases did rise there again? How do we deal with that? 
Those are the things we should be dealing with. Yeah. Have you Not children yourself, Romeo? Yes, I have. I have much. I have two. I have one twenty living with me, and the second one is sixteen. And I so, take it the sixteen-year-old is going to school. Are they going to go back? It's going to go back to school, and I'm I'm really worried about this. Um, um, yeah, they were doing online studies recently. That was good. They were fine, safe at home, and their job was being done. So taking them out there, there are a couple of times, PJ, when I'm saying this, I have sent my 16-year-old with even the 21 on. I just gave them a test. Go to the super value. I live in Kentucky. Go to the super value and get me milk. They reached in the shop before realizing that they needed a mask, and they came back home to get a mask. To go back three, four good times. I mean, that is my own child because I have all the measures that they give us, the hand sanitizers, the face masks, and everything, the wipes. I take them from work, I bring them at home, and I implement them at home. So yeah. I think we keeping them home and face the outside ourselves and see how more how protective we can be, we really save us see, more the, than... The, the, the only them. thing is, Romeo, and I think a lot of people would agree with you, we need to keep the children safe and it's risky sending them back to school. But the other side of it is that we need their education to continue. And not every child can access an online class. They do say that, that is what I'm saying. We should have try we should try to make sure them they should have access to save others instead of exposing them because they don't have access and everybody's going to die. Yeah. It just makes sense. Look at the meat factories that what happened. Because they opened some places to work with no monitoring, no strictly measures of monitoring them. Some of most of them were infected and they were in their hiding. Yeah. So and at, at the end of the day, one of them just goes out there and infect the whole public and then where what what did we do to, to prevent the, 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 the virus? Nothing. I, are you worried about Everything in, I mean, you work in healthcare, so are, are you worried about everything in general reopening, Romeo? I am worried in every aspect of it. Every aspect. The kids have been away for months without seeing their friends. In the long run, they will be very amazed seeing their friends. And how do you want to keep them away from one another? Yeah. We're just pretending here. Okay, look, another point I just want to go briefly, quickly, before I eat much of the time. There is a young guy there of 34, I heard you on the radio this morning. Kiran. 34, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. Who had, who was, who, who had, the, uh, he was a victim of the coronavirus a few months ago. Eventually got so good. Yeah. Thank God that he got well. But it, I, I should say he got better, not well. Yeah, he's and still now, far from well, actually. Yes, yes. And now he is still suffering from that. He was a soccer player. He used to work. And now he is still suffering from that at home, alone. Six what months later. He, six months later. He's sweating. He can't climb steps. He can't do it. Changing his bedding and clothing. It means he is sick. Now, what are we doing to help the victims who are like him? There are many. There should be many of them, and we know, who there. managed to survive. Well, well Romeo, since, since we started talking about people like Kiran, I can tell you now we're getting a lot of messages and a lot of calls about people who are still struggling with COVID-19 months after they were and diagnosed. We are, and we are only looking now to send children to school to increase it. That yeah. is it. Yeah. Now, there is another one right now. You spoke before you went on, on break. Just recently, whom, um, who is this guy? 
who's sick. He is sick two days ago. Jerick, yeah. Two days ago, yeah, already. He is battling on how to get tested. We, th- we think he's been sorted. Where someone's taking him for his test, so he's okay. Thank, thank God he has done that, but that wasn't enough. If we have emergency uh, buses like the, the ambulance, how many type of emergency should be for rather than this one? Mm. You see, that is what this, this are what we are neglecting, and we are only causing more harm, causing more harm than good. That two days is more than enough for that guy to have been left his house. Within these two days, we don't know where what he has been doing. Yeah. I, I think he up. contacted his doctor yesterday, and the doctor said that he needed to go for a test and book the test for this morning. Now you couldn't really get much quicker than that, could you? Yeah, no, you couldn't. But my problem that I'm coming in, doctor did the best, the best part to get there. But now he was battling again on how to get there. Yes. He shouldn't have been. No, he shouldn't. There seems to be a mistake there for sure. We, 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 but we think at this stage he's organised with, with a lift. Romy, one or two more people I want to talk to, but thank you very much. You work, you work in the healthcare sector and you're very concerned about, get, about the children going back to school and, and the complications it might cause. Much appreciate the call. Thank you so much. Uh, also, I want to go to Monica because Monica works as well in, in healthcare, but she has a different view to Romeo. Get to Monica next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette, now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Selfservicelaundry.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. One, one point that Romeo made, actually, that, that occurred to me over the weekend, Kildare is still on lockdown. They, they released Lee Shanoffley, if I remember correctly. But Kildare is still on, on semi-lockdown. But they're opening the schools at the same time in Kildare, which, to my small little pea brain size of a mind, can't make, I can't possibly make sense of that, why you would lock down the county. And open the schools at the same time. It just doesn't make sense. Little Miss Sunshine on Twitter says, I know from one I'm working from home as long as I can. I'm not coming out for the rest of the winter until there's a vaccine. And there will be one. Sandra says she agrees with Romeo. She's going to go out of control. It's going to go out of control if the kids go back to school. Patricia agrees too. I work in a school. You can't control the children in the school. He's right. Monica, you disagree. Good morning. Well, I partly agree and I understand your concerns because obviously this is still spreading. But we need to also understand that it's not easy for the kids to be at home for the last, I think, six months now. They've all been at home and they need to have some, I suppose, some sense of normalcy to their day. And we should all just try to do our best. Like COVID isn't going away anytime soon, but that doesn't mean that we cannot like get on with our, with our lives while putting appropriate me- measures around. Mm. So I feel the kids can go, should go to school, but parents and also the teachers, and obviously kids are not as dumb as we think. They do <laughs> they do listen. Yeah, and if it's do. something, yeah, and if it's something that could just like make it like, like a mantra, you stay with your group and things like that, then I'm hoping things will go well. Obviously the cases might rise, but... I think it's in the best interest for the kids. 
Yeah. Going to school. See, I think the worry isn't, Monica, and as you know, you work in healthcare, so you'll be worried. The worry isn't really, for the most part, the children themselves, because we know the science tells us that in the vast majority of cases, if children get COVID 19, it's mild. Yeah. And, and you know, they, they have a couple of sicky days, and, and, and that's about the size of it at worst. But it's it's the problem of. They can give it to granny. They can give it to dad who has an underlying condition. They can give it to a sibling who has an underlying condition. It, it's, it's not so much the children in the schools are in danger. It's the rest of us are in danger for what could happen in the schools. Yes, yeah, so, but that, that means you're basically putting the kids at a disadvantage because you're trying to protect the adults in a way. So... Um, I still think that they can go to school. I will advise you that everyone kind of sticks to their circle of friends, kind of stick, stick to a, mm, maybe but a people aren't doing that already, Monica. Exactly. We can see that in Kildare yeah, and Leash and Offaly and we saw it in that bar in Dublin and we've seen it, you know, for God's sake, we saw it in, in, in at, at, at the golf dinner in Clifton. Yes, but the children are not the ones doing that. Those are the adults. Yes. So... Why then keep the kids away from school because the adults are not listening? It's a very valid point. It's a very valid point, and it's it, it's why Kevin says, and it's Kevin's on Twitter. He says this is why there's no right answer. You can't yeah. base decisions purely on health. If you could, then we'd all stay at home for a month and shut it all down. There's an economic need to open up. That's why there are no right answers. Just the least bad option. Is that what you think? I think so, actually. Yeah, that, that actually summarises perfectly. Okay. All right, listen. Monica, thank you very much. 1850 There's two sides to this. And there's two schools of thought on it. And we've talked many times to the academics and the professionals who advocate the, the zero COVID approach. People like Jerry Killeen, people like Anthony Staines, and others who say we should try to drive the figures down to zero, do it county by county, region by region, place by place, until the whole country is COVID zero. Doable. They did it in New Zealand. Now they've got a problem again, but doable. And they reckon, I think Professor Staines said the last time he was on, eight to nine weeks is what it would take to do. Do you keep the schools open while you're trying to do that? Maybe it might be worth it for another few more weeks. It's impossible to know. I'm so glad. I tell you this now. I'm so glad my kids are done with school. I really, really am. There are two big rolls of yellow pipe going east to west, heading to Bishopstown on the overpass by the Sarsfields Road roundabout. I presume they're falling off a truck or something, have they? There are reports of a tree down on the N72 between Formoy and Tallow. And on the schools, my Ashton says, My daughter's back Thursday. She's starting juniors. I have a little boy at home with an undiagnosed, life-limiting illness. But I'm still sending her back because she needs it mentally. I know it's worrying. We're all, are we all meant to lock ourselves inside and not go anywhere? And Marie says, My daughter's an SNA. She has to wear a visor and will be wearing masks with the window on them shortly to help communication. I would definitely be a lot easier if the children 
were to wear masks. 1850-715-996. Every so often an idea pops up in the middle of something like a pandemic and you go, that is such a cool and clever idea. It's very cool and it's very clever and it's simple. We'll talk about it next. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction, Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot and a self-service laundrette. Your one stop for everything. The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quartz 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. This is Quartz Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Quartz 96 FM. As I say, a simple and clever idea using technology to help people to deal with COVID-19. Have an aged to this. مرحبا انا اسمي نجات اليوم ساتحدث عن اعاده فتح المدارس وتوضيح الاجراءات التي يجب اتخاذها سوبلانا لورينس ايتراليو داسيستين دا نسيسيتات سبيسيالس ان اون سكولا دا بريم هاي اباك ناي واي تاسو جا لو سي in this video message, I will explain how to avoid catching or spreading COVID-19 and when and how to get a free test. That's just five or six of the 30 languages or 30 odd languages on the COVID World Service. Graham Clifford, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. What a simple and cool idea. How does it work? Who put it together? And where can we find it? Where can we use it? Well, it came together, PJ. Uh, my wife's a, a, a GP. And as you know, I am I'm involved with the Sanctuary Runners. So I yeah. do a lot of work with migrants. I do a lot of work with uh, migrant workers and things like that. And what I was seeing from the start of the pandemic, and it was starting to really frighten me almost, was there was a lack of information, I suppose, getting through to people for whom English is not their first language. There was an assumption that everybody was listening to Opinion Line, everybody was listening to Tony Houlihan and then Ronan Glynn, everybody was reading the Irish Times, when in fact we know that uh, from the last census in 2016, about 90,000 people in Ireland would say that their standard of English was very poor or they didn't speak English at all. So who was, how were they getting information? And of course, because we're so, so interconnected, it's vital that everybody has that information. Um, so I decided to look at the possibility of creating video messages. Now, we'd started doing it actually for asylum seekers in places like the Kinsale Road uh, Centre in Cork, explaining things like why it's okay to get a test for COVID-19. A lot of people would have heard from their home countries that maybe even having the test could give you the virus, you know, stuff like this. So we were saying, okay, we'll get a doctor, we'll do a video message, make it very clear and send that in and then people can share it around. And that was working. So then I said, okay, what about if I could get 30 doctors or more? Yeah. 
and get them uh, from, from other countries living and working in Cork and the rest of Ireland and get them to record scripted and approved video messages about COVID-19 in general, but then other messages about, okay, what do I do if I test positive? What do I do if I'm the contact of somebody who tests positive? So we started this, PJ, and it just snowballed. Yeah. Um, and we have GPs and we have pediatricians and gynecologists and, and psychiatrists and nurses and uh, the people who are voicing these video messages generally. And then yesterday we did something new because what the show has been dominated by so far and every show, I guess, the return to school later this week, um, I decided that we'd put together, um, again, approved scripted video messages. Um, so I spoke to linguists and teachers and parents and migrant experts and the ICGP, the general practitioner's body who approved a script. And then we ran it by the Department of Education. They gave it the stamp of approval. And so now online we have... 30, we're going to have 32 um, um, video messages recorded by teachers, SNAs, guidance counsellors from other countries living mm. and working in our, our education system. Um, and those video messages we're hoping to disperse to yeah. every parent in the country. We've also got English and Irish as well. Yeah, I, I and, note and that Irish is in there. And I, was, I, was, I, I smiled when I saw Irish in there because we should, I think we should remember, Graham. That even though the numbers are small in our country, there are still people who still only communicate, or it's their primary form of communication, is through Gwelga. Yeah, and it's, the, and it's the right thing to do. You know, if you're going to do a multilingual initiative like this, you, you have to have Irish in there and you have to have English as well. Our Irish video message is recorded by uh, Tomás O'Shea, the, the, the Kerry legend and um, the Game panellist. And I'm a Kerry man, so I'm very happy about Good that, man. PJ, as you can understand. <laughs> I'm just looking at the other languages. Obviously, the, the, the ones you'd expect... <laughs> Are in there Spanish uh, and French and Russian and 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 all those Portuguese, Polish is there. But you've got some languages really that you'd never think of. Like you wouldn't think of of Urdu and you wouldn't think of Pashto or Hindi mm, mm, or mm. or Kurdish or mm. Lingala. God Almighty, mm. the, 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 there's some work gone into this. Uh, well, yes, but it, it's something though. I always think with Ireland, we're we're kind of slowly opening our eyes, I suppose, to the level of diversity that's in our country and understanding that there are 200 nationalities in Ireland today, about 550,000 people who'd have a nationality other than Irish. And so um, it's a very uh, diverse place. And, and you'd have a lot of people for whom their first language would be Urdu or Pashto or Yoruba or Lingala or Cantonese or others, you know. Um, so, so there was no point, I suppose, by the nature of COVID-19, there's no point in only doing part of it because, um, and this was, this was where my frustration was initially, you know, the messaging was very good in English and Irish, but, you know, you need to make sure everybody's getting the messaging and you need to make sure that um, you're, not, you're not scripting the messaging in a way that's hard to understand as well. I mean, that's very important that it's culturally appropriate. Yeah. I, I was actually looking at something, PJ, which is interesting in relation to Cork. And it's from a, a, a report from 2016, the Cork Healthy Cities report. And it found that in Cork City, amongst um, uh, non-Irish uh, residents, about 57.4% said they spoke English very well. So that means you'd have 40 to 43% who would describe their level of English as um, that they don't speak it well or they don't speak it at all. So you can see there is undoubtedly a body of people 
who need the messaging mm. in their own language. And that's not a judgment on them. I mean, I've lived abroad in countries where I didn't speak the local language. No, I just, I just think it's a, it's, it's a magnificent yeah. facility, Graham. I yeah. think it's, yeah. it's such an important... I mean, didn't we talk in the last few weeks about the prevalence of COVID in, in the meat factories? And, and we know right. that there are so many foreign workers in, in the meat factories. And Brazilians, for example, there are many Brazilian workers in meat factories. They speak Portuguese. And I wonder just how much literature was handed out in Portuguese in the meat factories. Or was it handed out too late? You know, yeah. was it was it was it handed out after the, the horses bolted? No, no, one hundred percent. I mean, we've done stuff, PJ. Like I live up in Tramoy, and we did stuff like we made video messages on how to get online shopping in Portuguese. You know what I mean? That the basic things that would help somebody not to have to leave their home for the two okay. weeks in which they're self isolating. It's basic stuff, but if it it's not there, how how do you access it? And you're talking and about how you know, do you generally. how do you get it exactly. get it now, Graham? How does one find it? Okay, so I, I should say as well, by the way, PJ, are the, the, the video messages, a lot of them are on a loop now in meat factories, which is great. You know, it, it's trying to get that message to people is so important. And they're available. We, we're, it's, a, it's a joint collaboration between an initiative called Together Ireland and then NASC Ireland, who you'll know from Cork, uh, PJ. Um, and so our video messages are on the naskireland.org website. You just mm-hmm. go to NASC Ireland. That's NASC with an N for November, NASC Ireland dot org forward slash COVID-19 World Service. And I'd love to make a plea, PJ, to every teacher, every SNA, every um, every parent who's listening today. Th- these video messages, whilst they're targeted at migrants, they're for everyone's benefit by the nature of COVID-19. So if, you ha- if you're Irish and you think, well, you know, I might watch the English one. But if your neighbour is from wherever, if you have a Ukrainian neighbour, just go on there, copy the link, it's a YouTube link. Send it to your neighbour by WhatsApp. Do you know, you know what would be absolutely the bomb here, Graham? And if you got a little bit of sponsorship for it, mm. an app. Oh yeah, it would. It would. I mean, we're trying to keep it as basic as possible, so to make it to, to, to not yeah, create hurdles. Thousands of people, right. pretty much. Mm. Pretty, you know, nearly everyone's got a mobile phone. Oh yeah, that, and that's why we're doing an it. An app would be the yeah. bomb here. Yeah, it's designed, PJ, that people are sharing it by, by WhatsApp or, or an app. An app would be perfect. You know, the COVID-19 tracker app is only in English. Yeah. Maybe Irish as well. I mean, that, I mean, I'd scratch my head when I see that. You're, you're the man with the so contacts. I, I, we, we've talked often <laughs> enough, Graham. I'd say, yeah. I'd say put it out there. Someone will, so, someone will start the ball rolling on an app. Oh, I, think it's, I think it's a cracking idea. That's Graham Clifford. Thanks, Graham. Good to talk to you as always. Uh, it's the COVID-19 World Service. Uh, you, if you go to nasc.org, nascireland.org, you'll get links and this YouTube. Vi- tra- it's great. That's one of the best ideas to come out of COVID. 1850-715-996 on schools. Martin, via WhatsApp, says the fact that Kildare is in lockdown and parents and siblings aren't mixing means children won't come into contact with people outside the immediate family. Not so sure I'm with you there, Martin. Like, when we, were all, when we all went into lockdown, how daft would it have been if they kept the schools open? Keeping Kildare in lockdown until, I think, what is it, the 13th of September at this stage? And putting the schools, opening the schools back up again at the same time? It, it, it doesn't make sense. Patricia says, PJ, unless you work in schools and see the uncontrolled situation, children just don't listen. I'm asthmatic and this is very scary. 
Antoinette, yes, Antoinette, you're waiting to hear from from Katie's school. Yeah, good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good, good. Yo, she's supposed to go back when? Um, next Wednesday for her induction day. Right. And I've heard nothing. Well, we we, we got an email in explaining everything that's going on, but there's no nothing in the email to um kind of show that the, the the measures for kids with special needs. Yeah. Like she's going back. I don't know whether she has an SNA. I don't know whether what protocol is put in place for her. Now I do know first years are being kept in the same classroom all the time for most of the stuff and they're being kept away from all the other Well she's starting secondary. She's starting secondary. Ah, for God's sake. So, like, sake. her fourth day in, so I don't know what's going on. Like, she's going in, obviously, for the first while, because she'd be exhausted. Yeah. And you still haven't had confirmation of an SNA? No, nothing. Let like, alone what's going to happen to her in class. Yeah, I've emailed the school to go, like, what? Oh, like, she's not the only child, obviously. There's another child in the school... That, that has a physical disability. There's kids with autism, obviously there's kids with, with specific learning difficulties and everything else. Nobody's heard anything. Nobody knows what's going on with kids. We know everything about, and I hate using the word, normal kids. Yeah. But when it comes to kids with special needs, we have heard absolutely nothing. I've emailed the principal, asking her what's been put in place. Does she have an SNA? I don't know. Right. Like she's going, as I said, she's she bring her wheelchair just in case. She has her crutches. Yeah. She has her school bag, and she has her lap a laptop bag. And and preparation so is very important. If there's nobody there to meet her at the school door, how is she going to manage all them on her own? That's a very good point. That's a very. See, you this, know what I'm these saying? are the, like, sim- the simple questions. I can't just like my other two. I can just go by, get lost. Get out, run, and run away. And go for coffee, run. I have to wait. You know what I mean? I have to see, make sure there's somebody there to meet her, to take, literally physically take her off me. Yeah. And this is is Tuesday. She starts next week and you've no idea what's going on. And I have no idea whatsoever. Okay. Well, I'll put you back on to Deirdre there and we'll get details of the school internet and we'll put in a call and see can we uh, rattle their cans a little bit and find out a little bit more. Thanks for that that's internet. Katie's mum. God how long are we talking to internet uh, about Katie uh, and Katie is now going into secondary school God bless you. 1850 Some breaking news with regard to Big Phil his first mention of the man on the show today Big Phil, uh, the president of the European Commission, Ursula van der Leyen, says she expects a full report by two o'clock today from Phil Hogan on the golf meeting controversy. She wants him to publish the timeline of his movements in Ireland. Now, seeing as the timeline has changed a couple of times, in fact, Phil has probably changed his timeline more often than he's changed his jocks in the last week. Um, That'll be interesting. But that's the latest. Ursula van der Leyen, who's his ultimate boss, who is the one who can sack him, or is the one who can tell him to stand aside, 
she wants a full report by 2 o'clock this afternoon and a full timeline of his movements. Because now we know that he was in Kildare twice to the apartment to get a golf club, get the golf clubs and documents. It's just a gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? But Fiona, you'll have heard this in the news. Fiona has been down to Bandon today uh, to see for herself the damage of last night's flooding. Flooding that they thought they would never have again. And that's the thing that is really upsetting them down there. She went down to meet the traders and the locals as they came to terms with yet another flood. Now, I know we talked to Aidan from the county council and he said look the the flood scheme worked the flood relief scheme worked and did its job this is another problem caused by some Irish waterworks but I would think if you're down in the main street abandoned this morning and and there's a flood or damage from a flood you don't care where it came from or what caused it. you just don't care and and like Con Lenehan from Lenehan's menswear. You're just looking at it and going, not again. We were called about 11 o'clock last night, came down here, moved all the stock up, and it came in from the back. When I see it coming from the back, it was really, really despondent, and it was absolutely shocking to see it again. It was sad to see the, the shop the way it was again, the standard that it was. So the, much damage caused to well, the stock? All, all our, um, we had to move all the stock, move every bit of it. And the carpets and stuff like that got destroyed, totally destroyed. So only fit to be thrown out, really, like, you know. So that uh, I'm here now, again, out this morning, we're up since half past two. And we're, we're going from 11 o'clock, sorry, until half past two this morning. And then we, um, we're we back down again at nine o'clock, trying to get the place sorted out again. This so this is the second person. time now in two weeks. But you've been hit. But, but, but uh, we've been hit. So, like, that, it's absolutely shocking. Like, we never thought we were going to be hit again for the second time. And then we thought when the river was done that there wasn't going to be any more of this. But it seemed it's coming up to shores. And that's what's wrong. And have you got flood insurance? No. No flood insurance whatsoever. We're not, we have no insurance for the past nine years. So how are you feeling this morning? So I'm, I'm feeling totally disheartened. Totally dishevelled. So we're just trying to pick up the pieces again and try and keep going again. I think it's it's acceptable now to hear, oh, it was just because of the amount of rainfall over the last two weeks and that's the cause of the flooding, or do you think that there's something else? No, it's the, the rainfall, and then it's, it's just the rainfall, the amount of rain that's falling. And it's the um, the shores can't take it. See, it's coming up the shores, and the, the shores just can't take the amount of water that's falling. Philip McLaughlin from McLaughlin's on Bridge Street. Um, not sure exactly uh, how it happened, but I think there was a, a block up of the the uh, the river and drains up in the Bridewell River, and then it comes up through the drains at Hickey's Corner. So, again, uh, more flooding on this street, and uh, Hark goes out to Hickey's and, and, and Warren Allen there as well. We got away lightly because um, I suppose out back was... was uh, it, it, the water and sewage came up so we're, we're out there clearing now at the moment but thankfully no no real damage was done you know but for the guys just same again deja vu you know it's just not acceptable um, the amount of money that was um, pumped into uh, the, the flood works and it, it just seems like what they've done hasn't been effective and um, Bandon is already on its knees and we just don't need we don't need this again and um, 
you know, it's 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 just not acceptable. Thankfully, both contractors are in the area, and so they'll have to they'll have to sort it. Like the amount of money that was pumped in, um, you know, the the amount of works that was going on, you know, it it's tough enough. We, we we're kind of when we see the works been done. People complain maybe that there's so much work going on, but for me that's progress. And but the fact that it actually isn't working—that that's the big worry there, you know. So um, yeah, it's it's hugely disappointing. It's just not acceptable, really, you know. So Are you guys open today? We're open today. Yeah, yeah. We're just clearing away out the back. So uh, business as usual. I'm Eric Hickey from uh, the Hickey Shop in Bandon. We've been in business here in Bandon for the last. Ooh, hundred years, I suppose, that kind of thing. But the, the, this, this is um, a regular occurrence, unfortunately. It is, and that the uh, we um, this, uh, we we can't blame the river on this occasion because what happened is that the shores have backed up, the shores have blocked up, and that they couldn't take the force of water last night. There was a heavy downpour there from about ten eleven o'clock last night, and um, the the shores just couldn't take it. They had backed up and. We, we are very grateful for the county council and the fire brigade, the Gardaí, and our local councillors who uh, were all on the sea very fast. And you know, thankfully, there's no harm done, and that uh, we are open this morning for business again and everything ready, ready to go again. Done, but has there been any flood damage to the property here? Not, not on this occasion. No, we haven't. That we are lucky because we we do school books, and this is really. Uh, the wrong type to have anything happen, you know. Uh, but that's uh, partially that didn't happen, that uh, everything is bone dry and ready to go, and we will we, fulfil all of this, hopefully, as expected. <laughs> it was heartbreaking to be here last night at midnight um, in people's kitchens uh, with two inches of water in their kitchens. Um, here to watch hickeys brushing out water while they said there was no flood damage and there wasn't. They did get water in on their floor, but they're so used to that now. That that's you know it, it they don't count it as flood damage and you see a dehumidifier here working to dry out the the, the floor so um, it is important that I think now for these premises for these families that a package an emergency package to compensate them for loss of earnings um, and also to defray the costs of drying out the floors um, replacing appliances in a home across across the street here um, their washing machine their dishwasher was um, impacted by, by flood waters so I have called on Taoiseach Micheál Martin to put in place an emergency package um, perhaps administered by the Irish Red Cross there is a precedent for that in the, pa- in the past and it worked very very well and I think for family businesses in Bandon, in Bantry across County Cork who have been affected by this flash flooding, I think it's imperative that they get um, monies to compensate them for this for this damage Because a lot of places in Bandon don't even have flood protection Absolutely, there is no insurance and um, these buildings are not covered by insurance um, they've been flooded time and time and time again and no insurance company will um, will cover them so these repairs will have to come out of their own pockets and that's simply unsustainable you know year after year after year and that is why I've called on the Taoiseach um, to provide this emergency assistance package for these businesses and families who are affected because these are family businesses and family homes. That's Councillor Gillian Collin ending that package there from Fiona. You really would feel gutted for the people of Bandon and Bantry in particular and all the other areas who've suffered flooding in the last while. The Mizzen Looper cycle, uh, which has been on the Cork Diary for the last couple of weeks, uh, that's cancelled tonight. It was due to be on t- uh, this weekend, but that has now been cancelled due to the COVID-19 
restrictions. It might have been doable under the old restrictions, but not doable under the restrictions as brought in last week. So the looper cycle is off. And Antoinette was back on. She got an email from the school, literally within seconds of talking to us, saying that they will be in touch. There's a tree down by Rathcooney Fruit Farm. The road very hard to navigate. Be careful out there. It's still very breezy. The weather has improved, but it's still not great. Uh, Deirdre O'Shaughnessy edited the programme. Fergal Barry produced and researched. Wash your hands. Keep your distance. We'll see you tomorrow just after nine.